Welcome to Thursday in the Piero Pelka podcast. Mike here and uh, a little delayed today because so much news going on today. So much with the announcement of the GDP numbers that show a second straight quarter of a contraction in our economy. And that's not good. I know the Biden administration is trying to say it's not a recession. Well, it is a recession. And how do I know this? All I have to do is pick up my phone and I have to ask Siri to to weigh in on this. So let's do it here. Live in the recording. Live in the recording. There's a contradiction. Hey, Siri, what's the definition of a recession? Recession means... A period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced, generally identified by a fall in GDP in two successive quarters. How about that? Uh, generally, uh, two successive quarters. Everybody believes that. Except if you're in the White House or a Democrat. It's amazing. We're in a recession. We all know it. We're all getting our financial butts kicked. Although the economy uh, seems to have a strong underpinning with um, with the stock market jumping up considerably today and uh, people are buying a whole bunch of Apple and Amazon stock after the market closed today because they think the future is going to work out. Now, the Biden administration is still claiming that they've created all these jobs. They haven't. We are still in a, uh, a huge deficit of jobs and almost all of the jobs that got squashed during the pandemic have come back, but they haven't created new stuff. They've just refilled them. But they're going to use that definition, try and make that. So we'll keep an eye on it. The interest rates are going to go up. It's going to be tough if you're trying to buy a house or a car. It's going to be a little more expensive. And uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the cost of um, food at the grocery store. Because fuel is still expensive. It still costs a lot to get all that stuff to the store. Gas prices are down about 75 cents over the last seven weeks. But they're up over a buck and a quarter in the last year. So it's not exactly a win. Don't take a victory lap yet, Joe. There's also news about the um, the American WNBA player Brittany Greiner being held in Russia and our uh, former Marine who's also being held in Russia. And it looks like the State Department's about to make a deal to get them sprung and we're going to trade a, uh, a spy to Russia for those two. Our buddy Gerald Posner knows everything there is to know about this situation. And Gerald is going to join us later and explain who we are trading for. But I have to address something, a controversy that's bubbling on the Internet today. Earlier today, a video appeared from someone who calls themselves A.G. on Twitter. And it's a video of Nancy Pelosi saying a whole bunch of weird stuff with kind of spooky music underneath it. I'll, I'll give you a sample here. But if people are wondering if this is real and is it is it being manipulated here. Here's a little bit of it. We're sending stuff over to the Senate. Well, it's, it's, most of the product that we've done is, except now what we, we may have added in the last day or so, and some of what we added is Senate to the bill, like a hearing. Bernie doesn't like hearing. Excuse me. Bernie loves hearing. <laughs> Manchin doesn't want hearing in the bill and all that stuff. Um, 
So somebody sent it, or in it, and then we had the family medical need. We figured if they're putting things in, then we can put something in, if, even if mentioned. Now, it, it goes on for about another minute, and since Manchin's name was mentioned, a lot of us thought, wait, did this happen today? Because Nancy talks to the press on Thursdays, and we all thought, this has got to be something really weird. This has got to be a stroke or something happening to Nancy Pelosi. Well, it didn't happen today. I did a little digging on the internet, and I found the original clip without the music. Here, I'll give you a little sample of this. This was from November of 2021. The very same speech, same words. So, um, uh, so we are getting some bird and privilege. I think I think mostly we're getting privilege scrub because privilege drug is deadly to a bill. Birdable is important. It's you have to take it out, but privilege violation can take you out. So so we're again getting that as we go along as well. We um, want to be sure that what we send is not birdable or bird bath or privilege scrub. They're the two. Um, exercises we're engaged bathing exercises we're engaged now i i think this is just as disturbing what she's referring to is some political wonkiness it's not that she's hammered but she's talking about some political stuff the bird bath rule goes back to i think robert bird she was trying to say that something in the legislative privilege law and legal definition, which uh, refers to the right of the members of a legislature to speak freely in the House and to the House without fear of being sued. You know, they could get sued for slander. So this was a wonky political thing that she also was really kind of not explaining coherently. So. That's almost a year ago, and we could make the case that something was wrong then. The one with the spooky noise and the spooky music is a completely different animal altogether. Very, very spooky. Very spooky. So that was Nancy Pelosi, and it didn't happen today. And I want to make sure we always try and explain. We always try and find the origin of these things before we go railing on it, and not that she doesn't deserve all the, um, all the mockery we can give to her. But this time, uh, it's not a new video. It's not edited, though. That's the weird part. It's absolutely not edited. That makes it even creepier, I think. All right. Um, the story of Brittany Griner, the WNBA athlete being held in Russia for doing a dopey thing about bringing some vape cartridges with uh, CBD in them. That's a huge deal. And we also have a former Marine who's being held and has been held for years in Russia, and he's facing, I think, 12 years possibly in uh, hard labor camps. And we are negotiating to get them both out. And the guy we are offering to the Russians to release our Americans has been called... Uh, what has it been called? Uh, it's kind of like a weird, wacky spy name. It sounds like something out of a James Bond film where he would be a James Bond villain. 
He's being referred to in the media as the Merchant of Death. That's, I guess, his his spy nickname, the Merchant of Death. His name is uh, Victor Bout. Before we came on the air, my buddy author Gerald Posner corrected me, though. He said, I'm not saying that name right. Gerald, welcome back to the program, sir. What exactly is this guy's name? How am I supposed to pronounce it correctly? So, so the great thing is, you know, I, I met him when he was in jail in New York City before he went on trial in 2012. And, and he calls himself Victor Boot. His wife calls herself Olive Boot. Um, but the Russians in Russia, if you talk to Russians, it's but. Um, like is in a rear end. So it's but, boot, or now it's become bout. So it's tough to take a one-syllable last name and pronounce it in many different ways, but we've managed to do that in the States. So, you know, that's why I think people just call him the Merchant of Death. It's easier for them. Well, the Merchant of Death is such a great title. Um, Before we transition out of the pronunciation guide, uh, what's your household saying, Kiev or Kiev? I've I've now gone with the Kiev uh, because uh, I figured that although there's no chicken Kiev or chicken Kiev on, on menus anymore, because I guess the amount of butter that used to be in it would would clog somebody's arteries too fast to be healthy food nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. I figured we might as well go with Kiev. If that's what Ukrainians want to call it, I'm in for that. I'm sticking with Kiev. I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> Typical, right? You expected that. Uh, Yeah, you're stubborn. You are stubborn. I like that. Traditionalists also can be interpreted as stubborn, but I like both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Gerald, back in May, was talking about the merchant of death. Mr. Butt, if you're a Russian. Mr. Boot, if you're Victor Boot. Or what's his wife's name? Olive Boot? That just sounds Allah, crazy. Allah. Allah. Allah Boot. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about right. Victor Boot. Anyway, uh, this uh, this Russian who's currently up for a trade, like we're trading him like the NBA trades players back and forth from teams. We're trading um, a guy who they're pitching as the merchant of death. Is, is the story, Gerald, that this guy really is or was an international arms dealer or is he not? Yeah, no, he was an international arms dealer. And, you know, some of your listeners probably think that he looks like Nicolas Cage, but that's because Nicolas Cage played him in a movie in 2005 called Lord War, uh, which is based on uh, Victor Boot. Uh, so Victor Boot is one of those guys whose reputation became super fearsome over the decades. And he was absolutely an arms trafficker. He always said he was the transportation company, he had a small fleet of old Soviet like military cargo jets, and he would fly them himself into Angola and these war zones in Africa and the Congo, Liberia, and Rwanda, stuffed with arms in which both sides had sanctions on them from the UN, and then they would unload the arms in the 80s and 90s, and uh, they were making a lot of money. No doubt about it. The thing about Boot that most people don't realize is that he was never actually indicted by any country. So there was never an arrest warrant out for him. He was sanctioned by the UN and by the US for trading in arms to these places, mostly in African civil wars that we didn't want more arms going to. But there was no arrest warrant for him, no indictment, nothing else. And he was retired by the time the DEA did a sting operation on him in Thailand in 2007 in which they set up a thing in which they pretended they were FARC agents, the the, uh, Colombian terror organization, 
And um, they lured him out of retirement, brought him to Bangkok and said, hey, we have a long list of arms that we want to buy. FARC is on the American terror list because it's considered a terror group. And Boot looked over at all the arms and he said, I can get these for you. Most people think he was just trying to get a down payment from them and was going to leave with that. And then they say on the tape, because it's all being recorded, Mike, it's great stuff. They say, hey, by the way, we're going to use those arms to kill Americans. So he sort of ignores it and goes on. And then they said, hey, like uh, Gringo, you don't understand us. We're going to use those arms to kill Americans. And he says, you know, whatever, do whatever you want with them. And then they say third time and a fourth time, they say, we're going to kill a lot of Americans. Finally, he says, look, the Americans have been a pain in the ass for me for years. I hope you kill as many as you can. And at that point, they break in, they arrest them. They say, you're part of a terror organization to kill Americans through a terror group. They bring them to the U.S. for trial. They try them under terror rules, which should put them away for life without parole. And the judge who oversees the case in New York thinks that they sort of overcharged him and that uh, if it wasn't for the sting, he wouldn't have been involved in the crime and gives him 25 years. So that's where he is. He has done plenty wrong. He's no angel, but he's not sort of this mythical figure that he's been made out to be as well, if that makes sense. Wow. Wow. What a story. I, you sent me the sentencing transcript from Judge uh, Shira Scheindlin. Again, Judge Judy's family is everywhere in the legal system right. here. <laughs> I can't believe it. Shira Scheinlin, a retired judge who you actually talked to her about the sentencing and about her rationale for not giving this guy life, but for dialing it back to 25 years, right? The, let me tell you, the, I, it was, I kept showing up at that trial because I was interested in the trial itself. I thought I might write about it. I never ended up writing anything. The prosecution was convinced that they had brought in one of the big gets in the world because people knew around the world this guy called the Merchant of Death. No one knew if he was retired or not or whatever else. They said, oh, by the way, he had helped supply the Taliban, so that made him a 9-11 type figure. But he had also supplied the other side, which is the army fighting the Taliban. You know, arms dealers sell arms to anybody. It's whoever pays the highest price type of thing. They have no loyalty. So the thing with Boot is that when the DEA brought him in, prosecutors over in the New York, uh, in New York, federal prosecutors thought this is a slam dunk. We're going to get a big conviction. And the judge, who was very, very smart, they drew a smart judge, was sort of resistant to that. She just wasn't a rubber stamp for the federal government. And she said, you know, there's no reason to believe, she says this in her sentencing report, no reason to believe he would have committed any crime over which American courts have any jurisdiction. There's no evidence he committed a crime which was indictable in the United States. You sort of set up this thing and got him to say this. Then you brought him in on a terror charge. I'm going to send him away for the minimum amount I can, which is 25 years, but I'm not going to give him the life without parole that you wanted. And they were furious about that. They tried to appeal it and everything else. And I actually think, look, I'm a hardliner on this. You know that I've written about terrorism, and I sort of think throw away the key for terrorists most of the time. But in the case of Boot, while I say he's no angel and he deserved prison time because he was stupid enough to go to Thailand and try to, you know, get involved in selling weapons to FARC, whether he meant to or not, sell them, it doesn't matter, he still was there. Um, in the end, the sentence that he got was fair, and the fact that we're talking about trading him, you know, the Biden administration likes to say, well, the both Griner and, you know, everybody else, whether Whelan or whoever, they really are not appropriately there. They shouldn't be in prison. They're, they're just victims who are picked up and locked up. And I get that as well. But from the Russian perspective, they, they think that Boot was set up on this charge after he'd retired 10 years later. And so 
they view it as a as a political trade. Yeah, it's fascinating. What a what an interesting story it goes well beyond the coverage we're seeing on mainstream media. We're talking with Gerald Posner, one of my favorite investigative reporters and one of my favorite people. And Gerald has written about this months ago. You can you can go to Gerald's Substack uh, page at uh, geraldposner.substack.com and get the uh, Merchant of Death story. More Hollywood fact than fiction or more Hollywood fiction than fact. Gerald, um, is Nicolas Cage going to option the rest of this story, do you think? Uh, Nicholas Cage got the best out of it. I'll tell you, if anybody sees that, I recommend it. It's still a well-done film. And they, if you watch Nicholas Cage in Lord of War, you will think that uh, Victor Booth probably armed every conflict since World War II and was at the center of everything. Um, you know, also, Mike, it is interesting when you see the mainstream news and the legacy news, because um, back in May, I'd done an article in Forbes in which I confirmed for the first time that the U.S. was, in fact, then, in negotiations about swapping boot just for Griner. Whelan wasn't part of the deal. Um, and then that stayed quiet. Everybody in the government went, you know, in quiet mode. And then it, you, you, you watch it as it gets rolled out. And all of a sudden, the State Department sources start to give it. And suddenly, everybody from the New York Times to the Washington Post is running stories that, oh, now it involves Whelan and may happen. But this has been going on for months. They've been talking about it. What they're trying to figure out in the Biden administration is, what is what does it look like? What are the optics? And that is what is going to hurt them, because in the end, most people aren't going to have the nuance to figure out gun runner, real bad guy, merchant of death or just little smaller merchant of death. So it still looks like a guy convicted on terrorism as a as a, as a major gun runner uh, smuggler is swapped for a tennis player who was stopped for what wouldn't be a crime in the U.S., and and uh, ex, uh, I mean a basketball player, sorry, and and a um, and uh, an ex marine who probably has a fake charge brought against him, and so the optics are tough for the Biden administration. I think they will stay that way, and it would have been tough for Trump or anybody else. Uh, I don't know if Trump would have made this trade. Yeah, that's an interesting story. I, I will be happy when Americans get home, but we may not have gotten the best deal possible, Gerald. Before I let you go. Is this guy any similarity to Mark Rich, the guy who Bill Clinton pardoned so many years ago? Yeah, no, I think Rich is, in my view, I mean, you know, complete different kinds. White collar crime versus gun smuggling. I get it in there. I'm sure there are people at the UN who would say the gun smuggling is the worst because all these innocent people died in these African civil wars. But Mark Rich must worse in my, in my view as a lawyer, you know, uh, and I, although I'm a non-practicing attorney, I look at it still as an attorney. The presidents make these last minute pardons as they get out of office. I understand that. There's usually something in there that is controversial and that we don't like, but never, ever did we have in U.S. history, nor have we had since, a U.S. president pardon a fugitive, somebody who was actively wanted by the Department of Justice for crimes, had fled the country and stayed out of the country to avoid prosecution. That was a bridge too far. In that case, Clinton got way out over his skis, in Hmm. my view. The pardoning of Rich, forget all the questions about his wife and contributions and things like that, just on its own, even if that morning he woke up and read some memo from a staffer that said this is the greatest guy since sliced bread and shouldn't have been charged for this, 
making that decision is one of those things that you just think to yourself um, is a dark mark on the presidency and uh, the end of that tenure. I'm surprised that, uh, you know, he was able to weather the, the controversy over it. Terrific. Gerald Posner is his name, as I mentioned. You can find him on Substack. You can also go to GeraldPosner.com, and you should follow him on Twitter. Good stuff going on. My friend, thank you so much. I always appreciate when you can make me smarter. Yeah, no, Mike, uh, look, at I talk with you about a lot of things, but I very seldom get to talk to you about uh, Russian gun smugglers and, uh, and WBNA stars, so it's, it's a good time to get chat. 